Today, we are speaking with Wayne Giles, who is a technology evangelist for Server Central Turing Group. Wayne is responsible for growing the adoption of cloud technologies, both inside and outside of the organization. He has solution architecture certifications with AWS and VMware. And in his free time, which is my favorite comment ever in a bio, enjoys distance running and healing from injuries related to distance running. Yes. So you're in one piece joining us today. Yes, I am at the moment, right? Right. And as, as a cyclist, you yourself will understand as, as we get a little grayer, right? The the injuries start yes. creeping up on us. And marathon season is just about upon us. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us today. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go through the topic of VMware on AWS. And there's a lot going on with that. So what we want to really focus on is the idea of not necessarily just making sense of it, but starting to dive in a little bit as to why it's gaining the traction it is and what's really going on around VMware as it expands from on-prem into the cloud. So that I know something you're deeply involved in, a lot of familiarity with, a lot of professional and personal interest and involvement in. So we're going to bounce around all of that and we'll see where all of this goes. So thank you. Um, to start off, when you look at what's happening in VMware today and on the hyperscale, there's a tremendous amount of interest in that platform moving to AWS, moving to Azure, moving to Google Cloud. What's driving that? Uh, so I, I, I think the majority of what's driving that is a combination of a few things. Um, the first piece is that VMware has a huge install base. You know the the most enterprises either have a substantial amount of their virtualized workloads on VMware or are intimately familiar and have the talent sets inside the organization. The other piece of it is a lot of these same organizations are looking at cloud and realizing that they need to leverage the advantages of cloud. Now, there's a suite of advantages that come from cloud. Some of those don't require becoming cloud experts, but just having access to the tools. And I think VMware is giving the first real stable multi-cloud approach for a lot of enterprise organizations without the risk or, or the cost associated with other cloud broker kind of approaches. Do you think it will extend itself in the multi-cloud fashion? Where, and by that I mean, will it be a function of different workloads being on different cloud platforms? Or is this more of a redundancy and resiliency play to begin? I think without a doubt, it is a initially starting as a redundancy and a resiliency just because that's the way organizations will test into it. And, okay. and I think as the product matures, it's going to where you're talking about. It's going to multi-cloud. And that's being driven by two things. One, the feature set that VMware is building into this, and, and I've been watching this product development over the last three years, is, is phenomenal. The, mm -hmm. the amount of effort and the amount of foresight with not only initially designing the software-defined data center, the SDDC, and then moving that SDDC into a, a, a now multi-cloud footprint has been great on VMware's part, giving a lot of flexibility to organizations. The second piece is look at AWS, look at Azure. A lot of the services that are the big money winners for them, that are the bulk of their workloads, are, are compute, storage, and networking. Those the, are commodities. Those are becoming commodity commodities right now. Everything they're growing, all the new services are really about add-ons to that function, which supports this concept of we all know we're getting to a multi-cloud where the workload goes where the special purpose service fits best or where the customer drives me. 
So that is, that's a really interesting transition because the cloud is all, as you mentioned, is all about those services and which services provide the best capabilities to augment where you are and where you want to go, right? They become very much an enabling rather than a supporting technology. They're mm -hmm. enabling growth in, in um, new directions. But given the presence and given where VMware is, it seems interesting to me that people would extend in that environment rather than go to more cloud native technologies where you can take advantage of some of those capabilities rather than replicating what exists today. But it, yet it seems that the majority of the adoption is replicating what exists today. How does an organization reconcile that? Or does that become just part of the natural evolution, as you mentioned, where it is when it's time for an application to take advantage of new services or when there's new development, you extend into those areas. It's an interesting balance. Um, yes, and that's a that, that, that's a broad question. So let me unpack yes. that in a little bit into a few pieces. Um, one of the things is, I, I think a lot of organizations are learning very quickly that rushing to cloud, while probably a mistake is strong language, uh, was was premature. And uh, the conferences I've been to, a lot of the conversations I'm having in the room talks about the new silos that are developing and large organizations that took the time to build multi-cloud approaches. Where they creating the silos. Absolutely. You know, what used to be back in my day, you know, the Windows Linux wars have now turned into the AWS Azure wars. And that inefficiency is being re reintroduced and it adds no value to the organization whatsoever. So the organization being able to use VMware as a, a central conversation point becomes a very strong play because that skill set is already there. The, the features that they need for the bulk the of it. The lingua franca. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is a huge add to those organizations. So I, I think that drives a big piece of, of the, the allure for a VMware-driven multi-cloud. I also think that people underestimate the, the dynamic flexibility that exists in what VMware has to offer. Well, they do you think that's, a, I don't mean to cut you off, but do you no. think that's a function of the legacy, and it's, that's an ugly word, but the history or the tradition of VMware in the enterprise is that it's always done one thing, it's always done something, and now all of a sudden it can do so much more, but the familiarity exists in a way that says, yeah, that might be there, but I don't, I haven't invested enough in knowing what its capabilities are there because it's always just done these few things that I expected it to. I, I think in, yes, but let me make that <laughs> yes much larger. Um, so I think IT organizations as a whole, you know, there's this whole IT transformation thing that we're all going through. And, and I always sum it up into like, is cloud DevOps? And I start mm. that conversation because a lot of organizations, when you talk to them, merge those two concepts when they aren't anything to do with each other whatsoever. Um, smart organizations, organizations that are forward looking, are not worrying about the technology that delivers the solution to their business problem. That's a secondary. That's a derivative. Right. right. They worry about how to fix the business problem. What is the most efficient way? How do they harness their applications? Then they look at what technologies can fit that bill, whether they be provided by uh, services in the cloud or managed service providers or in-house grown applications. In, in that approach, you quickly see that AWS Azure have a certain set of solutions and they will do certain things. And VMware has a different set of solutions 
that do different things. And there are real pieces where there are greater efficiencies in VMware to serve that solution. And so now moving to this multi-cloud approach, what that offers is yet now an even wider set of options for an organization to leverage. Okay, so when we look at the next sort of idea or topic around VMware on AWS, the question comes up about management. And if you're taking VMware off-prem and it is a managed service that's being provided by a third party, in this instance, Amazon, mm -hmm. or Microsoft or Google, whomever, as sure. it proliferates, what does management mean? What is actually taking place? Do I, as an organization, lose full control of my VMware environment? How much am I relying on that third party? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Um, so that's interesting, right? That would, I, I think that's been a, an unclear thing from the initial inception of this project when it was launched on AWS, is people thought that all VMware did was basically throw you know, vSphere on an instance and ta-da! We're done. That's it. It's managed. Uh, uh, now having some time and being able to see firsthand from the VMware team running it, the the level of solution they built, it is it is much more complicated and much more robust than that. So in AWS, I'll use that as the example because that's the one that has real time and people got their hands on now. Uh, it is all AWS physical infrastructure bare metal instances. So I-5 is one of the series that they use. Okay. So a, a group of dedicated bare metal instances are provisioned to a customer, and then a series of AWS account resources are built and provisioned by AWS for VMware to use as a hook to land this customer, right? So, so the they need a, a VPC, a network environment for that kind mm -hmm. of to run at the physical layer. But then that's it. You know, uh, the physical boxes are provisioned, the networking is set up, account references are put, and then it's all handed to VMware. And then VMware has kind of two bubbles running in that AWS environment. They have this new dedicated set of resources completely contained and isolated by all of AWS's controls for that customer, this VPC with this X number of hardware boxes. Then they are running a full large scale um, SaaS in effect inside these AWS regions that will then start the process of building the software, setting up the monitoring hooks, setting up the automation for management and support and patching. All well, it is at its core of managed VMware environment. It is absolutely. So in the okay. end of the day, as a customer, from the SDDC up, so basically from once resources in the VMware consoles present themselves uh, through vCenter, is what the customer runs and manages. Everything below that level is handled by VMware AWS in some okay. very interesting ways. Like one of the big efficiencies is let's say you run an eight node cluster inside your data center today. Most organizations around that eight to 10 nodes end up floating an extra hypervisor as their physical spare in case of failure. Not sure. the N plus one, but an additional piece of hardware because it's cheaper to do that than pay for 24 by seven support. You don't need to do that in AWS because AWS has a suite of boxes. So if a hypervisor node goes down and becomes a problem, VMware through that SaaS immediately automates the swap of that device. So yes, you'll you'll have a momentary interruption. We you know, hardware fails. We we can't accept the fact that that's going to impact us in some level. <laughs> um, but VMware will take care of moving all the workloads. VMotion will come into effect or SRM, whatever the tool is you're using, sure. and then. 
at that point, a new piece of hardware immediately be promoted. The old piece of hardware is pulled out without any interaction on the customer's part. It becomes a very, very impressive operation. So the idea of the SDDC really becomes at its core a reality yes. from the customer perspective because they truly are above it. Yes, absolutely. Which is a part of the whole reason why you want the cloud to begin with and it allows the connections back to what you know and the experience that you have. As we talked about the fact that you have this institutional knowledge that does exist, mm -hmm. that really does represent an asset you want to maintain, right. not and, jettison and because there's something new and shiny to chase after. And what's really brilliant in their presentation is they've they've preserved all of the API functionality that existed in VMware. So if you are already an infrastructure as code organization or heavily automated, you can use that same infrastructure automation. In, fa in fact, it comes up in the same vCenter if you want. I mean, you can you can have a transparent environment that allows you to seamlessly fuse your SDDCs, whether they be on-prem or inside a major cloud player. And as you talked earlier, vMotion workloads between them or use automation tools for monitoring, compliance, whatever you're doing. Well, it seems that the familiarity is going to be a big reason as why adoption becomes a reality, but also why you see all of the hyperscale platforms pursuing it is because it is real. It does exist. There is the familiarity. So nobody wants to walk away from it. They want to be able to extend that knowledge and take advantage of it. What else do you see that's going to happen coming into 2020 around the VMware on hyperscale platforms that's going to take place? Like what developments are out there that we're going to see that are going to further change the way people think about this as a solution and really influence their decisions as to whether they pursue it? Uh, I, I think just like across our entire industry right now, you know, change is rapid. Everybody is releasing as many features as quickly as they can. Uh, so I see a lot of change coming. Um, but the biggest one that I'm holding out for, I think the most impactful will be microtenancy. Uh, today, there is some real limitations in NSX uh, that allow a cluster to only have a single virtual gateway, you know, a single routing instance to that cluster. And, and that makes micro-tenancy impossible. Once that's solved, uh, which VMware, I think, is aggressively, I know it's, I know it's something they are actively working for today, um, I believe that micro-tenancy will open the door for a lot of adoption. Today, the barrier to get started is a bit stiff. You have to set up an entire SD, SDDC, which is three to five nodes of, of dedicated yeah it's it's you know to make it work is 150 200 vms really of workload to move and while there are many many organizations that have that size workload to do that as a new technology or a new a new model is is a lot to ask so yeah, that's a steep that's a steep adoption curve without a doubt especially from an experimentation perspective yeah, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of the early adoptions be DR plays or, or those kind of things, because that's, that's a safe container to do this technology test. Um, so micro-tenancy will allow them that, then to work with service providers or other organizations that will stand up a much larger scale cluster, give the access out to enterprises that want to test with this, but in much smaller 10, 20 VM kind of footprints. And, and become comfortable with the technology before they do a more, a, a larger, more aggressive adoption. Do you think that adoption will accelerate with the micro-tenancy? Meaning when an organization can move a small number of VMs and test in a particular environment, a particular set of workloads, are, do you see them realizing the benefits they expected 
to realize when they do it and then they're all in? Or do you think this becomes more of a, oh, this is nice, it, it solved this problem and then they move on to another shiny object? I, I think two things are gonna push this into being a big adopter. I, I'm not gonna pretend that I have the crystal ball for how quick these kick in. Sure. But uh, I, I will say that I think microtenancy will open the door for people to get comfortable with the technology. Then when they realize the simplicity and the ease of access they have to stand up the VMware workload that they want. A lot of organizations see a, a high cost and complexity of adopting a pure OPEX model, but mm -hmm. they understand the financial impl implications of this. If I can do OPEX with the knowledge set I have in-house and no added big risks, I think that becomes a big accelerator. The next piece is, so you stand up this, v this SDDC in a, a big cloud provider, whoever it is, seasonality becomes super easy. So now if I need to double, triple my workload because of a seasonal push, I can do that all in VMware without a problem because I can do a dedicated, you know, most efficient model for my standard workload mm -hmm. and then add hypervisors or to subtract them as the needs of my business change. The true, the true elasticity, yep. the true scale promise of the cloud. Yes, and not as perfect as an instance model, but, but actually pretty, pretty damn close. close, right? Pretty damn close. The idea that there are cultural implications and the cultural implications carry as much weight as the technical implications is mm -hmm. very, very real. Right. And I think when I look at this from the 2020 perspective, I think the opportunity and the threat or the opportunity and the challenge are actually the flip of the exact same coin and it's human capital. Right. The opportunity is you have something net new that you can arm your team with that they can gain professional skills. They can quote unquote level up in the IT world and be part of and contributing to something new. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is you have a whole host of resources technology people that aren't going to want to do that yep. and that becomes the challenge because yeah. those that do want to level up they're going to go and those that don't what do you do yeah because it's going whether you are on that bus or not it's leaving yep it's leaving the terminal it's gone mm -hmm. so what do you do i think that's a really fascinating fascinating aspect of this yeah that is i don't i don't know how we're going to attack that one so i'm going to take the problem you i don't just no, did. no no i'm yeah. gonna say why yeah. i'm not i'm just okay. saying in a general rule i think it's really really fascinating because if you have this shiny object you can attract right and then retain that attraction and retention is going to come at the cost of things falling well and, and i think that thought that's going to be real So this content creation model if we get this going you know we can start tackling some of these interesting yeah, issues absolutely and, and digging into them because sure they'd be they'd be fun to do very much um, so because i think and, it's a huge issue oh yeah and anything that generates conversation yes right it's, i think it's, it's also your roi yeah is you know what's your your tco and your roi are dependent upon the people involved in the process period right. and they're right. never calculated ever it's always what's the hardware what's the software what's well, the it's, license it's like no what about the people right and and like one of the things i see in that conversation that 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 we keep talking about is you see organizations worried about maintaining these skill sets, these arbitrary technology skill sets mm -hmm. of their people as a method of retention. Instead when of it's, when it's not that that's the real retention, it's engagement that retains your employees. And yep. if you can now instead get your employees more, more deeply involved in the running of the business and the technical hurdles, instead of dealing with that, that IT team down in the basement, right? 
you don't have to worry about them turning into DevOps totally. engineers and then going to work totally for Totally agree. But that becomes the cultural transition that we yep. talked about at the very beginning of all of this. Is it's almost like there's an IT transformation going on. It Exactly. And <laughs> right. it's, it's such a different beast. And I think that that gets so lost. It gets so lost. So last question today. What do you see as the biggest challenge for organizations that are looking to use VMware on the hyperscale platforms? And there's a long and a short term to that, but really looking into 2020 because mm -hmm. there are going to be new developments right. in the platform. What are the challenges people are going to see in the next maybe 12 to 18 months? Uh, so I, I think those go into two, two very intertwined answers. And the first one is going to be that organizations are going to find I believe they're going to be surprised how well this works, how simply this deploys, how quickly they get resources running in a way that they didn't think they, they could. Uh, but their IT teams are going to get distracted or, or befuddled in this entire smorgasbord of new hyperscale cloud services that are, are a council click away. Right. And this silo thing we talked about earlier that is getting getting to organizations that went too quick into cloud and built these big multi-skilled teams is going to be a real risk to organizations where instead of keeping their team core focused, right, they're going to be really easily distracted. And to avoid that, I think organizations that are going into the cloud need to build strong, focused relationships with managed service providers that are in that cloud. Uh, because the that Dunn-Kruger thing we talked about earlier, where, where like your team will easily think they're a master of, of RDS or they've completely understood, you know, Redshift and big data mm -hmm. isn't true. That, that you need somebody, especially production workloads, you need somebody that has been exposed to it, that's done it before. These big scale, if, if you move into the VMware model and you know you're going to be multi-cloud and you're like any of us that's got a little gray in the beard, you know, AWS is great today. Azure is great today. They are big players. But I'm not willing to bet that they're going to be the dominant player in five years. Technology changes too fast. So developing a deep set of skills to a very specific technology inside your organization, especially if you've got limited resources, I think is a questionable strategy. So using the VMware as your core delivery for, for the bulk of your resources, for the critical things, and then leveraging managed service providers inside those verticals that are unique or fit your special needs. Do what you do well. Yeah, exactly. Undifferentiated heavy lifting, like we've talked wow. about many times. So I, I think those two pieces are keeping your team focused on doing what they do and serving the business in the most effective way possible, keeping them engaged in solving the real problems. And then developing deep, strong relationships with like-minded managed service providers that get where you're trying to go, that are great partners to you and not just vendors. All right, Wayne, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you and for having me. We definitely will have you back soon. Thank you.